it's important to ensure that compliance has a seat at the table regardless in those product evaluations and new product implementations. Um, but if, if a credit union is able to avoid some of the, the gimmicks that are out there and still ensure that they're positioning themselves well to communicate with their members that they have a robust mortgage offering, I personal standpoint, you're minimizing risk and will be better off in the long run. Hello to all the credit union mortgage professionals who are tuning in to this episode of the Talking Mortgage Podcast. My name is Scott Burdett. I'm joined with two people, uh, Andrew Duncan, who's the Senior Vice President of Mortgage Technology and Compliance for True Home. And also with Andrew, I have Kelly McPeak, who's the Director of Compliance at True Home. So I'd like to welcome you back, Andrew. You've been on the show before, and and Kelly, welcome to your first time. Uh, thank you. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Andrew, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your job um, at True Home? Yeah. So thanks for having me back, Scott. Oversee compliance and mortgage technology. So two distinct divisions within the organization. Both are important, and you know, some people might ask. Do they really go well together? And and they do, um, surprisingly. And I think uh, some of that theme will present itself in what we're going to talk about today. And um, thankfully, I've got Kelly along as well to fill in any gaps since he oversees more of the day-to-day actual meat and potatoes of the compliance operation. Tell me a little bit about the uh, – tell the listeners, I should say, about the um – the operation, like what, how, who's in your department? Like how many folks are working compliance versus technology? Can you give us a little bit of feel for that? Yeah. So between both divisions, we've got you know, in excess of 20 individuals total. Uh, in compliance in particular, which is primarily what we're discussing today, uh, we've got distinct groups that focus on a range of issues from regulatory compliance and change management to quality control, licensing, disclosure. All sorts of fun stuff that you know is necessary to have a compliant mortgage operation. Awesome, thank you, Andrew Kelly. You've been at True Home for not very long. How how long have you been? I've been with True Home for almost two years now. And you were, uh, and where were you before? Tell me, tell us a little bit about your role specifically uh, at True Home. At True Home, I'm in charge of a few different uh, divisions in the compliance. One primarily we do is quality control. And then also a big part we do is compliance updates and where we would monitor federal and state uh, laws and regulations, and as well as investor guidelines too. So um, also we, we deal with clients on a daily basis where we have inquiries where they might ask us a question and or assist them with uh, an examination that they might be going under, mm-hmm. um, we provide guidance with them as well. Kelly, tell me, just since you brought up the the, the point of interacting, you know, that you're taking member calls, um, credit union calls from your all's clients, what are some of the questions that are coming up, um, particularly uh, now in the environment, you know, the environment we've been in the last three to six months? What are some of the questions that your clients are asking of you? So some of the some of the questions we get, um, besides exam related questions, are more of funding the loan to make it compliant or to make it sellable. So in the sellable in the secondary market, that is. So a lot of the problems we've had is we've had issues with you know the interest rates the way they are now. That's adjusted a lot of um, a lot of the compliance guidelines have 
um, mm-hmm. been focused in that way. So, you know, one of the things, and, and Andrew, you kind of brought this to my attention as we were preparing for our conversation today, but, you know, I know that the regulatory and compliance environment has not changed drastically really since the uh, new administration, although one of the things that you lifted up to me is that because the rate environment has changed so dramatically in a pretty quick fashion, that there are some compliance requirements uh, from older regulations that are now all of a sudden much more um, applicable in the environment that we're in today. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about what you mean by that specifically? Absolutely. And it's, it's such an interesting complex, or at least it's interesting to us and hopefully to anyone listening to this. Uh, you're right, Scott. I think that there hasn't been a lot of new regulatory action from the current administration. Um, we've seen some enforcement activity and some, you know, some general strategy, and I think there's some groundwork being laid, but nothing that's materialized in the form of regulation. Um, so you're absolutely right that the current rate environment has caused some complexity. That's primarily due to rate volatility. And when we think back to the financial crisis, you know, 2008, and then following the crisis, the Dodd-Frank legislation, there were a number of items that were included in that legislative activity that addressed the risky practices that had led up to the financial crisis. A lot of those risky practices were related to things like, you know, really scary things like stated income, but then also ARM-specific considerations. So, or excuse me, adjustable rate mortgages have... Um, all sorts of features and facets built into them that you know play into overall the consumer's ability to repay that mortgage liability. And a number of the protections that were put in place were, were really kind of remaining dormant and silent, I would say, in a low-rate, stable environment. Recently, with the you know Fed's policy actions to address inflation and targeting housing in particular, that's resulted in just wide swings day-to-day in the rate environment, which then creates a lot of challenges as we're trying to ensure that the loans that we're manufacturing in our operation meet all of those requirements, specifically as it pertains to those adjustable rate mortgages. Mm-hmm. The What are some things as a result of that or advice that you would give to credit unions who are trying to navigate, uh, navigate that environment from a compliance standpoint, specific to the arms? Yeah, having a properly tuned loan origination and product and pricing system uh, is is absolutely essential. There are a number of things likely that the loan origination system, if it was configured, say, you know, five plus years ago, is probably doing our assumptions that have been built in uh, to any compliance checks, controls, balances, et cetera, that may need special attention in order to even identify some of these issues. It's quite possible that an institution that has loan origination system configurations and settings that haven't been looked at, no one's gotten under the hood since we've seen this rate volatility. Our manufacturing loans, especially if they're uh, producing ARM loans, that you know may have some problems uh, as it pertains to some of these specific compliance requirements. And what would some of those problems be? Well, there's both um, regula- regulatory requirements as well as investor requirements. And so those are unique and distinct, but they're related. Uh, in particular, uh, there's requirements as it pertains to qualifying the borrower, and so that's where I talked earlier about their ability to repay. But specifically, uh, there are requirements in place that we have to look at a borrower's kind of worst-case scenario over a specified time frame. 
you know, if, if you're only locking in the interest rate for, let's say, two years with the initial fixed rate term, we need to look beyond that based on where the index is at at the time that the rate is set to determine kind of what's the worst case scenario that that borrower is going to face in, in most cases, at least the first five years of that loan's uh, maturity to see, you know, five years down the road, are they actually still going to qualify? Mm-hmm. And that's a requirement. Um, Kelly, I'm curious from your standpoint, as you are working with some of your credit union clients, what are the particular instances that you're seeing folks have the most issue with? Yeah, so probably the most the most common uh, issue that would come up is with points, with discount points. Now, if with the rates the way they are, the pricing, the par rate is is gone. Like there's no like a par rate is no more, and really you you have to almost buy down the rate, you know, multiple points just to get the best rate that the, uh, the that's offered. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it, it creates issues with uh, points that tend to push the margin really thin with uh, to make it a non-qualified mortgage or adjustments you would need to make to make it a qualified mortgage. Andrew, we've talked uh, a lot about kind of the rate volatility, you know, in 2022, and you know, and we're anticipating it in 2023. Tell us a little bit about what you. Uh, have seen recently with the rate and what you're with the rates and what you're anticipating in 2023. Well, I hope we don't see a whole lot of it in 23, as you just suggested, there, Scott. But I, I think it's inevitable. And uh, you know, just looking back, if if we take a look at a trend line from this year, it's it's quite significant, especially going back to the the historic lows that we saw in 2020. Now the single day fluctuations can be quite dramatic, uh, which is is somewhat up, unprecedented in 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 recent years. Uh, just recently, within the last few weeks, we saw the largest single day drop in quite some time, with the full half point um, following the release of a, a single report. Uh, the Fed's monetary policy is going to be key for how things actually shake out in 2023 and what investors come to play in the marketplace to help normalize these rates. Obviously, most credit unions know or are at least familiar with the fact that the spread right now between the 10-year treasury and, and the average 30, 30-year fixed rate mortgage offering is quite a bit more than average, and we'd like to see that normalize a little bit. So it may not come back down into that average rate or spread, but having it uh, tighten up a little bit would be, I think, crucial to seeing some of these single-day and multi-day variations in the rate environment steady and, and level off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And how does True Home help your clients navigate that volatility and, and those changes? Well, I'll, I'll speak a little bit on, on behalf of our secondary marketing staff because they pay such close attention to this day in and day out. At the end of the day, though, when it comes to the system configurations and, and the policy framework to help combat these issues to ensure that we can actually still close loans um, without being hung up on compliance challenges that just can't be overcome. Uh, that's where we, and in particular Kelly's crew, add significant value to the conversation. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, Kelly has made mention of the fact that having options is key, and we want to ensure that our client credit unions know what their options are so that they can do best for the member and for the bottom line uh, to ensure that what it is that actually gets closed 
is a compliant offering, um, but also isn't necessarily something that is at a loss or as much of a loss, frankly, as, as what might be otherwise occurring uh, because mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of loss leader activity uh, in the marketplace uh, with institutions chasing volume to retain staff. And at the end of the day, that's just not sustainable. Yeah. And, you know, one other uh, one other point that I wanted to explore is, I mean, and you guys have seen it in your own business. Uh, I mean, volumes were crazy during, I guess, 2020 and 2021, record low interest rates, you know, credit unions, there were refis happening all the time. The refi market has, for all intents and purposes, dried up. I think isn't there a, uh, a statistic or something of of the number of, of uh, households out there that would a, a refi would be of benefit to them? Yeah, so we know that uh, during the historic lows in, in 2020, tens of millions in you know, in certain time frames, you know, something like 100 million homeowners could have benefited from a refinance uh, with that historically low rate environment. However, we know today, and this changes quite dramatically as, as we've discussed with the volatility in the rate environment. Uh, but it's, you know, in the, in the tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. And depending on which study you look at or or what criteria play into that that net tangible benefit factoring, uh, we know that it's well under a million. Um, but some, you know, ranging from tens of thousands into hundreds of thousands of homeowners actually are in a position where a refinance would, would save them money right now. Yeah. And then so as a result of that, what kinds of things does True Home do to support um, your clients as your clients are finding this significant shift from being crazy with refis to needing to rely more on the purchase market? How do you guys support that shift? Without going into all of the offerings that we have in you know, our originations division and all the solutions that we have from a, a data and a management standpoint, uh, I'll just say that we provide op- options and opportunities for credit unions to uh, meet individual members where they are in a way that actually takes their holistic financial picture into consideration, not just a, hey, you could save 50 bucks because rates have gone down, mm-hmm. but a, hey, here are the total opportunities based on your entire credit profile. Also, you know, we know that there's still a purchase market out there. There's still uh, a shortage of inventory. Uh, we know that things have slowed down just because of a lack or you know a reduction in listings. But at the end of the day, Having a robust operation that is compliant and supports a purchase-driven market is what we're able to bring to the table for our client credit unions. And anyone who's been around longer than yesterday knows that uh, a purchase origination is is dramatically different than a refinance. Mm-hmm. A purchase is more of a relationship, helping the member actually, you know, achieve their either their home ownership or their home improvement or upgrade goals, whereas a refinance is more of a singular transaction. Mm-hmm. Andrew and Kelly, tell me, I'm just curious in today's environment, like what percent of the mortgages that are being originated, that you all are originating on your credit union's behalf, are fixed versus arms? Well, if you're going to ask statistical questions, Scott, you should direct those to our SVP <laughs> of secondary marketing, um, who I believe has been on the show before. But I, I can tell you uh, just empirically that uh, it's been a dramatic swing where we had seen very few arm originations, and all all out, all of a sudden in you know 2022, we've seen an explosion in growth, uh, where credit unions are offering arms to their members, and their members are increasingly taking advantage of them to help 
bring down the heat a little bit of the rising rates mm-hmm. and elevated rate environment um, to where, you know, I'd say they make up a significant percentage. I don't know the exact total off the top of my mind, uh, but a significant percentage of the overall origination pipeline currently is ARM products. Mm-hmm. As, as you all are interacting with credit unions and helping them think about how to design or set up an ARM product um, so that it's um, saleable or that it that it you know works on their balance sheet. What are some what are the some of the pieces of advice that you give to them as they're setting those ARM products up? So we want them to be mindful and intentional when it comes to ensuring that uh, that loan product is ultimately going to be saleable in the secondary market. And so there's a number of uh, specifics that go into that product configuration that are going to be important to ensure that they're not going to be crafting a product that then they effectively must hold on their balance sheet or aren't going to be able to broadly market in the secondary marketplace. Um, Things that are just top of mind of highest importance are ensuring, of course, that that ARM product is tied to an index that the agencies will actually buy. Uh, Presently, your, your best bet is to originate to the SOFR index. Still see a lot of credit unions leveraging uh, treasuries or CMTs. Um, there's still somewhat of a market out there depending upon if the credit union is selling loans to the Federal Home Loan Bank or otherwise. Um, but to have a, the most robust product set possible, ensuring that the index and then all of the attributes that play into that product configuration are going to be saleable in a broad market to include investors like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, and then as it relates to Look, the liquidity challenges associated with the current environment. What kinds of changes have you seen in terms of credit unions holding things on portfolio versus selling? And what kind of advice do you give credit unions that find themselves in a, a very different liquidity situation than a year or so ago? Yeah, it's such a great and pertinent question right now. And we've seen such a dramatic swing. Again, uh, you know, similar to how we went from very few ARM loans actually flowing through the pipeline to explosions of those in, in recent months, uh, gone from seeing many, and I'd say the majority of our clients, holding uh, the vast majority of their production volume on their portfolio, whereas now many are, are looking to ensure that what's being originated they're able to sell and are holding far fewer loans on portfolio. Granted, of those that they're actually holding on portfolio, tends to be a little bit safer to actually hold those arms and mm-hmm. then sell the fixed rate products. Uh, but, you know, we don't really know what the future holds, especially in 2023. There's so many varying, competing, conflicting forecasts about what the real estate market and the mortgage loan market in particular uh, is going to experience in 2023. So ensuring that even those arm loans are saleable is, is going to be critical. Mm-hmm. What kind of mistakes or... Um red flags do you see in how credit unions are originating ARM product? They are setting ARM products up. Are there are there things that you guys see as you're scouring the marketplace that would that you would caution our listeners um, to to consider as they're constructing and, and reconstructing their ARM product? Absolutely. I would say take advantage of the fact that there's a relationship there with that member already. I have heard from many client credit unions and just others in the industry that are drawn to some of the bigger players that are are marketing, you know, during NFL games, commercials, uh, some 
uh, product uh, features and and specs that I would consider to be more gimmicky in nature. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to offer just a a good price and a solid product to a member that you've had an established relationship most likely for many years with, uh, you're likely better off in the end, um, reducing compliance complexity considerably. When we talk about things like short-term rate buy-downs, some of that, you know, it could be important depending on the market and who you're competing against. Um, And of course, it's important to ensure that compliance has a seat at the table regardless in those product evaluations and new product implementations. Um, But if if a credit union is able to avoid some of the, the gimmicks that are out there and still ensure that they're positioning themselves well to communicate with their members that they have a robust mortgage offering, I personal standpoint, you're minimizing risk and will be better off in the long run. Mm-hmm. And um, tell the listeners out there just a little bit about the compliance support that your you know, your, your teams uh, provide to your clients. Because I know with a lot of credit unions, they may not have – I mean, they may have a, a compliance resource uh, full-time, maybe part-time. Maybe they outsource that. It, but it may not be specific to the mortgage space. Just tell us a little bit about how True Home supports uh, that for your credit union clients. We're able to, you know, to your point, Scott, that credit unions may have compliance staff. They may not, um, depending on the size of the credit union. When I say may not, I'm referring to dedicated compliance staff mm-hmm. for a compliance operation. We've seen more and more, though, that credit unions, even on the smaller asset size, tend to have, as of late, dedicated compliance staff. Uh, we're able to augment them by providing a compliant operation, number one, but number two, serve as a resource to them in their audits and examination processes. That's a big part of what Kelly does and what Kelly oversees day-to-day is just supporting our clients when they have an auditor or an examination. But we've also become quite proactive with notifying them of the things that are happening in the marketplace. So, um, you know, having staff dedicated to regulatory compliance, monitoring, and change management, um, it's at least as it pertains to mortgage, it's, it, there's not a whole lot of credit unions out there that have staff that are dedicated to looking at the regulatory landscaping landscape specific to mortgage to see what's coming down the pipeline. What do we need to be planning for? What do we need to be aware of? So Kelly's staff actually publish a monthly report that details all oh, the things awesome. that we tracked. Um, that our client engagement staff have at their disposal and will generally distribute to our contacts amongst our client, client credit unions and their staff. Um, and we've done some you know, client-specific research items. We also have um, an inbound, I, I call it a help inbox um, for just questions. Um, we have you know, ask an expert is mm-hmm. how we refer to it. Um, you know, if you've got a question, if it's one of our clients that has their own loan origination or processing staff in particular, that it is useful to them. Um, but just being there in some cases behind the scenes for our, our operations staff and secondary marketing, originations, client engagement, they know that if there's something that we don't have clearly outlined in their training materials or in previous publications, that if there's a question that comes up just naturally or directed from a client, that they can submit that into Kelly's crew and they'll They'll research it and find an answer. Awesome. You know, the last question I have for both of you, and Andrew, you mentioned a while ago about the uncertainty moving in to 2023. No one really knows how next year is going to shake out. But I'd like to ask each one of you individually to share one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners. And it can be you know, specific to arms, compliance. Um, one piece of advice that you would give 
give them to help navigate 2023? Andrew, you want to start? Sure. No matter what, make sure that compliance has a seat at the table. These are turbulent times, and it can be, I think, enticing to make quick decisions to be reactive or potentially proactive, uh, depending on, on what specific scenario we're dealing with. But just ensure that compliance at least has the opportunity to preview and, and hopefully earlier in the process provide insight into some of the things that should be taken into consideration in that decision-making process. Awesome. Kelly? Yeah, I would say, you know, besides exactly what Andrew said, <laughs> I think, um, you know, early, just having good communication throughout and knowing you when you have loans and you have some fees that are, you know, higher than you might have thought, you know, in connection to the discount points, just knowing your options, knowing your options and you can, you know, either choose to sell the loan, make a portfolio. You can look at a lot of different options that you'd have on it to maximize your profitability. So. Great. Well, thank you both for, for joining today. We appreciate you sharing some advice uh, to our listeners out there. And we also want to thank uh, those of you who, who are listening to the podcast. Uh, I know that times are a little uncertain, but these are the times that you can use to your advantage to improve your overall mortgage operation and innovate in ways that uh, you don't necessarily have time to do when volumes are crazy. So I hope that Andrew and Kelly have given you some ideas on how to respond um, to this upcoming year. And I also want to say that I hope that you will join us again for a future podcast. And until next time, bring more of your members home with a credit union mortgage.